the ANA Champions of Growth podcast. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion is perhaps the biggest challenge facing the marketing and advertising industries. Both brands and their agencies must adapt to accelerating changes in society so their companies more accurately reflect what the country looks like and they have a more accurate pulse on their audiences. According to the U.S. Census, the nation will become minority white by 2045. Between 2018 and 2060, the combined racial minority populations will grow by 74%. There are also major changes sweeping throughout society regarding gender, equality, and identity, as more and more people move beyond the binary and traditional definitions of gender, particularly among younger generations. Amid the constant swirl of change, the marketing and advertising and industries are now more diverse than ever. There's definitely been progress throughout the field, but as Alicia Nciso, CMO of Nestle USA and Vice Chairman of AIM's Board of Directors says in the introduction to the diversity report we're about to discuss, there's still a long way to go. But there's also ample opportunity for brands to expand their aperture when it comes to consumer engagement. Here to talk about the findings from the latest ANA study on diversity, as well as how CMOs and brand managers create a strategic framework for diversity, equity, and inclusion are Natasha Miller-Williams, head of diversity and inclusion at food company Ferrara, whose brands include Juji Fruits, Sweet Tarts, and Nerds, and Bill Duggan, group executive vice president at the ANA. Bill is also the lead author of the Diversity Report, which is based on the responses from three separate ANA data sources. Welcome to you both. Bill, I'd like to start with you. And if you could talk to the purpose of this research, uh, the survey methodology, and the three data sources referred to just a moment ago. Yeah, also, Matthew, thank you for inviting me to be uh, one of your guests here today. So there's that great line in the marketing industry, I've heard it throughout my career, you can't manage what you don't measure. Again, you can't manage what you don't measure. So the purpose of this research that is now in its fourth year is to measure the diversity of the marketing teams of ANA member companies. When I say measure the diversity, it's the gender diversity, as well as the ethnic diversity, and see how things are improving or not really as basic as that. So again, our report is called a diversity report for the advertising marketing industry. We first did it in 2018. So in 2021 was the fourth such study. And there's three data sources. So one data source is we've gone to the ANA board of directors and select member companies. And we've asked them to fill out a grid detailing the ethnic and gender diversity of their marketing department employees. 61 companies gave us that information this year, including Ferrara. That's how I got to know Natasha, totaling almost 17,000 marketers. So again, by five different job levels, they tell us the gender and ethnic makeup of their respective marketing departments. The second data source is we look at um, ANA overall membership. When people create an account at ANA, 
we give them the option of providing us their gender ethnicity information. And we have that information for about 30,000 individuals. So that's the second, so the overall ANA membership. And third, we've looked at ANA member company CMOs. So the gender and ethnic diversity of the CMO or the CMO equivalent at almost 900 ANA member companies. So looking at all of that information, those three studies, and there is some overlap, but it, it paints a pretty consistent picture of the ethnic and gender diversity of the marketing departments at ANA member companies. Okay. And with the latest study, Bill, what do you see as the most salient, most encouraging aspects in terms of the progress the industry is making? Yeah, absolutely. So there's been a criticism for years of our industry that ethnic diversity is poor. And we've seen some progress. So the benchmark in the U.S. overall, it's about 42% diverse. Just building off of your setup, Matthew, how the country is becoming more diverse. We've also seen how the marketing departments of ANA member companies are also becoming more diverse. So we've made some progress. When we first did this study in 2018, 29.4% of the marketing department was diverse, and that has risen to 30.8% in 2021. So modest progress, again, from 29.4 to 30.8, so increased by about one and a half percentage points. By no means is it where it should be. Again, we'd like to see that number up over 40% to be consistent with the population as a whole, but we have made some progress, and that's a good thing. Okay. And uh, I guess the flip side of the question, Bill, is uh, what do you see as the uh, biggest challenges, uh, perhaps uh, the biggest uh, gaps uh, when it comes to concrete change on diversity? I think the gaps in particular have been in getting more African-American Black and Hispanic Latinos into the industry, in particularly at the more senior levels of the marketing industry. So if we look at other ethnic groups like Asian indexes very well. Almost 12% of the ANA member company workforce is Asian, um, and that indexes against the Asian population, which is about 6% of the total population. So Asian does well, but African-American is about 14% of the U.S. population, but only about 7% in the ad industry. Hispanic is about 18% of the population, but only about 9% um, in the ad industry. Uh, Natasha, wanted to bring you in, and uh, can you give us the big picture on how Ferrara is approaching diversity strategically? Yeah, absolutely, and thank you so much for the inclusion, Matthew and Bill, and thanks for including us in the port, the opportunity to talk about our DEI Council. Um, Bill, we were very grateful for that as an organization. So yeah, I can absolutely talk about the big picture for Ferrara and how we're approaching diversity strategically. Ferrara's been on our DEI journey for just over two years. I'm the first person in this role. And to I, I love the quote that you mentioned, Bill, like you can't manage what you don't measure. And I am 100% a, like a data nerd at heart. I spent the first 10 years of my career in client service, pretty much a marketing research analyst. And so that pretty much is at the core of what we're doing at Ferrara, which is really focusing on a data-led approach and systemic changes to integrate DE&I into the company and into our HR priorities. So we've got to believe that you got to embrace 
DNI that is essential to mission, vision, values. Um, I don't believe that's unique from other organizations. And really enabling our employees to reach their potential to do their best work. What was perhaps powerful for us is the timing of the launch of our work relative to this global pandemic. So, you know, we were just out of the gate with getting our DEI mission vision and priorities off the ground just a few months before the global lockdown. And so that really helped us to focus on what matter and how we would set those goals. So we've got three multi-year priorities. They're people, product, and purpose. And so to briefly describe them, people is about making sure that we focus on our employees, their needs, first of all, listening to our employees and having an organization that represents the marketplace. The second product is understanding and serving our very diverse consumers. And then purpose is living our values in our diverse communities and right in our um, backyard. Ferrara is headquartered in Chicago. So very simply, people, product, purpose, that's informed our, our goals that we set every year. And uh, as far as those goals and those, those three elements you mentioned, what role does marketing play in these efforts collectively? And uh, as marketing relates to other departments in-house in terms of collapsing the silos in order to boost success? When we think about CPG and our Ferrara's chief marketing officer, Greg Guadati, he talks about this in such a brilliant way because he talks about how marketing has a role in closing the diversity gap in CPG and how CPG products play such an important role in diversity overall, because CPG products are in every home. You know, everyone is buying a consumer packaged good and how we can have such an important role in representing the nation's diversity within our um, organizations. And so that really is a guiding light when we think about the role that we play, the diverse representation in our companies, in our management teams, et cetera. And so we found that it's really important to have marketing representation in that our first ever DEI council. And that's what was featured in the ANA case study um, that was published um, several months ago. And it helped to break down silos across all of our departments when we launched that DEI council. So we had 45 members of our organization. It included every member of our executive team, including our CEO himself, who was the chair. So we had HR, sales, operations, finance, you name it. All of the departments working collaboratively across six different work streams to advance our DEI efforts. So not only were we thinking about marketing specific needs, but we were also having Greg himself and members of his team, helping us to think about recruitment, helping us to think about supplier diversity, helping us to think about efforts in our production facilities, helping us to think about organizational culture, helping us to think about how we measure success. You know, and the list goes on and on. So we've realized the importance of having the marketing team and our CMO himself, who was the sponsor of one of those groups, um, leading and guiding and directing our diversity and inclusion agenda. Talk to marketing's role in building a business case for diversity. And is that in and of itself a sort of linchpin for just CMOs to just really get closer to the CEO to cultivate that relationship? When we kicked off the business case case for DE&I, when I started my role late 2019, early 2020, we had listening sessions in the organization. And one of those listening sessions was with the marketing organization, and they were able to articulate the business case for diversity 
as it relates to marketing. And that certainly is around the multiculturalism of our consumer base. And that's also around aspects like how we think about reaching all consumers, whether that's women, that's thinking about unique aspects of marketing when it comes to um, LGBTQIA, as an example, like how does Ferrara show up if we want to represent our organization in the pride parade? You know, that certainly came up at a point in time. And so when we had that first listening session, the marketing organization was able to help us think beyond the boundaries of just some of the people-related aspects of our organization, which certainly was an important priority, but how do we show up on behalf of our brands? And that has been central to the design of our DEI strategy over the past couple of years and will be into the future. Natasha made marketers love numbers, right? And all you need to do is, is look at census numbers. So according to the last census, 42.2% of the U.S. population was quote unquote diverse. And that had risen from 36% in the prior census. So it went from 36 to 42. Here's the fact that I loved it. I heard this maybe four or five years ago, and it just made it so simple for me that for the first time in U.S. history, there were more babies born to Black, Hispanic, and Asian women than born to Caucasian women. So that was about four or five years ago. So that, of course, is just going to accelerate this trend where at some point what we've been calling the uh, minority will indeed be the majority. So that's the target audience yeah, for today's marketers. So they're following the numbers. Bill, from a practical standpoint, what are the major recommendations to reach more representative diversity levels? Sort of a building on what uh, Natasha was uh, talking about a moment ago. So one of my favorite questions in our study was this open-ended question. Are there any key action steps that have helped your company improve diversity within the marketing department? So again, the 61 companies that participated in this survey, you know, all contributed. And let me just pull out some highlights. So on a very fundamental level, you need to set goals. Again, talking about what I said a little while ago, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. And we heard things like our senior leaders are held accountable for building diversity in their organization with specific representation and targets. And in some cases, we've also heard that senior management compensation is tied to that, which I think is great. So set goals. Another example, we've heard, you know, all leaders are required to have at least one DEI goal as part of their annual performance goals. We also heard about DEI teams and councils. Again, Natasha has mentioned that, but a couple of examples, marketing leadership and employees are included in our DEI council. They represent the voice and needs of the department in setting the strategic direction of our DEI agenda, which promotes inclusive behaviors and actions. You know, another comment about DEI councils, we've established an internal US DEI team to address opportunities for employees on the US marketing team. We've heard in talent recruitment, some things that have been done, open posting of positions with requirements for diversity of candidate slates, Two other things to cover quickly, employee resource groups called ERGs, in some cases, companies call them BRGs, business resource groups. So these are affinity networks to establish a sense of community and, you know, among employees. So there could be ERGs for black employees, LGBTQ employees. Hispanic, you know, kind of you name it, it provides a sense of community. And finally, and I think we'll likely dig into this a 
deeper later, Matthew, but it's supplier diversity, ensuring diversity against the creative supply chain. So this means with outside partners, whether it's agencies, media companies, or other people that provide goods and services, ensuring that your supply chain is diverse. Just a snapshot there, Matthew. Thank you for that, Bill. And I, th- I guess a lot of that is predicated on uh, for uh, CMOs and brand managers to increase the aperture altogether. And uh, to what Natasha mentioned a few moments ago about uh, moving beyond the uh, boundaries. We're going to take a short break. Stay with us. We now take a break for a brief message regarding the ANA Growth Agenda. The ANA Growth Agenda plays an important role in boosting the value of the marketing and advertising industries. The 12-point plan supports a wide range of issues that are critical to the development of CMOs and marketers, ranging from diversity, equity, and inclusion, to sustainability, to brand safety. For more information, please visit ana.net slash growth agenda. And now back to our show. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Natasha Miller-Williams, Head of Diversity and Inclusion at Ferrara, and Bill Duggan, Group Executive Vice President at the ANA. Natasha, in 2020, the Ferrara created the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council, as as well as an ERG that Bill referred to before the break. How did the company go about launching the council, and how is it being executed from an operational standpoint? So our CEO was ready to get this council off the ground to further mobilize and accelerate our efforts. And so we knew that we needed to figure out what are the right things to prioritize. We had the priorities, people, product, purpose that I previously mentioned. And so we needed to align specific initiatives that supported people, product, purpose. And so through thinking and insight from his executive team, we identified six pillars that supported those areas. And it was metrics and reporting. I named some of them earlier, metrics and reporting, production facilities, supplier diversity, which you spoke on earlier, Bill, and some others. And we knew that every member of the executive team, to my point about leadership, it rings hollow without leadership. Every member of the executive team was identified to be a member, an active member of this council, because it wouldn't be an advisory council. It needed to be a working council. So every member of the executive team was identified to be a member And then we worked to identify the right other members throughout the organization across all of the functions to find the final group, which was approximately 45 people or maybe exactly 45 people. And we brought them in using pretty much Lean Six Sigma um, tools. So the kind of the Demaic approach. And so we defined, measured, et cetera, to set the right goals for the six streams to work throughout the year. And that's how we approached our council. So each of those six streams worked throughout the year, setting their goals, making progress. And after 12 months, we reevaluated and we made some adjustments. And now for what is now 2022, we have six new streams. Some of them are the same. Some are new streams. And we're following that approach again for the progress that we want to make in 2022. It has been hugely successful in terms of measuring success for those six areas, the impact that they made in the organization, the cultural, com- the growth and cultural competence for the individuals that participated in the council and the way that the organization has grown. So I can't speak with enough pride in the way that we approached it and, you know, considering it a best practice in terms of how to structure a DE&I council. Can you give us some of the initial results when we talk about measurement and what's the makeup of the uh, company now? 
Yeah. So let me answer that in two ways. And so in terms of like success, some of the activities were like a yes and no in terms of whether or not we did it, because you have to keep in mind that the organization itself was in, in such infancy from a DEI perspective. So for our, our metrics and reporting team, and I, I speak about that one a lot because I put myself in one of the pillars. Our metrics and reporting is one of the pillars that I was a part of. And we set some specific goals around, we have to measure the organization. We have to get workforce reporting out there. We need to make it public. We need to identify public commitments, et cetera. And we did all of those things. And so if you go on to FerrariUSA.com right now, you'll see that. You'll see the organization's workforce data is public. As a result, we were able to then share that with ANA for the report that Bill mentioned earlier. As a result, we were then able to set public commitments, which are also on the website. So some of these things were just a yes, no. Were we able to do those things in the space of one year as an organization that had just started its DE&I journey. One of our other streams was community and engagement. Can we, as a new organization, identify the right partners at a national level and as at a local level right here in our backyard of Chicago? Yes, no, we were able to identify those partners. We were able to create a rubric that allows us to have as little subjectivity as possible in how those partners are identified and how we like track progress and define success with those partners. Yes, no, we were able to do that. And now now, to answer the second part of your question for 2022, we are creating a scorecard that measures success in a different way in terms of tracking progress quarter by quarter in terms of how the pillars will identify progress beyond just a yes, no, because it's not as activity based anymore, if that makes sense. And Bill, uh, I'd like you to get uh, to elaborate a little bit on the work uh, the ANA is doing in supplier diversity. Yeah, absolutely, Matthew. So first, let me define what that means. So for a supplier to be considered diverse, it needs to be at least 51% owned by a person classified as diverse. So that means a minority, a woman, LGBTQ, a veteran, or, or disabled. Also, there's benefits of supplier diversity, which are important to note. They help marketers make more authentic connections as suppliers reflect the customer base. They provide new channels for ideas, goods, and services. They provide supplier diversity, helps provide a positive impact for the community in which suppliers are located. And finally, it's a force against racial inequality and equity to eliminate systemic investment inequalities in the media and creative supply chain. So we've been on this supplier diversity journey at ANA for probably two and a half years. We did some initial research in the year um, 2020, you know, a follow-up in 2021. What marketers are, are looking to do is increase their investment in Black-owned companies, Hispanic-owned companies in particular. We've been helping. We know that one of the key challenges of supplier diversity in the marketing and advertising space is the simple challenge, simple it may seem, of finding the diverse suppliers. So we have curated a list of what we call certified suppliers, certified by an outside organization like the National Minority Supplier Development Council. And our current list has 396 companies on it that represent agencies, media companies, production companies, research companies, you know, all different types of, of companies that are owned by diverse suppliers that service the marketing and advertising industry. That can be found at the um, 
vanity URL, ANA.net slash diverse suppliers. We've also been putting on um, supplier diversity fairs. These have been virtual fairs where we would invite in, you know, during a, a two to three hour meeting, 10 to 15 different companies to simply introduce those companies to our audience. So in the next week or so, we have a supplier diversity fair that features Black-owned media companies. Next month, we have a supplier diversity fair that, that features women-owned companies. So we've heard from the suppliers that one of the things that, one of the resources that ANA could provide are simple introductions. And then finally, I'll say that we have a particular focus on media. Because in our industry, money is spent on agencies, agency compensation, money is spent on production, research. But for most marketers, the bulk of ad spend is in media, I would say between 70 and 80%. So we have a particular focus in educating our members on the diverse suppliers that are available that they can spend their media dollars through. Okay. And as we start to wrap up, I want to get both your takes here, which is just to uh, share with our listeners the most effective steps forward for CMOs and marketers to make in terms of uh, bolstering diversity, making it part of the core. And really, what's the peril for brands who uh, stick with the status quo here and just sort of tinker at the margins? You know, I think marketers need to reflect the consumer base that they are serving. So the peril is that if your marketing department doesn't reflect the consumer base, the peril is the communications that uh, and the products that you put out may not be optimized for the consumer base. So I, I think I'll go back to the basics of measurement, you know, know the diversity of your respective marketing departments. There's been all sorts of research. There was kind of a landmark study done by McKinsey a few years ago that really proved that more than diverse teams led to better results. I'm forgetting what all the particular metrics were, but there were monetary metrics like, like profit rather than soft metrics. So again, a, a McKinsey study that talked about more diverse teams lead to better results. So I, I think it's important for companies to, to measure where they are, take concrete steps to recruit more diverse talent. And as I said before, recruiting is important, but retention is probably more important. So have processes in place to keep the uh, diverse employees. Okay. And Natasha? Yeah, I think it's important to just continue to lean into the perspective of all employees, including those that might not be in the marketing organization. We were really fortunate to be able to talk a little bit about how our marketing organization partners with our business resource groups to get their insight and how we elevated our ERGs to be business resource groups to actually do that. And so each of our brands at Ferrara has paired with uh, BRG to get their perspective in a number of different ways from a marketing and an innovation perspective so that we're really harnessing the full power and culture of our organization. And I think that's a great way to really harness DEI in a unique way as an organization. Okay. And now we're going to move to uh, our lightning round, which is, can you cite a current or recent ad campaign or marketing effort that would help to illustrate how brands are encouraging more diversity, inclusion, and equity? Natasha? 
I would be excited to share a campaign um, for our Now or Later brand um, where we teamed up with Kishanai Pulliam and Terrence J um, for the Recognize the Chew campaign. And it was basically a partnership on HBCU campuses, um, historically Black college and university campuses with using the Chew mantra. It, it stood for champion, hustle, empower, and win. And we issued out scholarships. And the two, uh, Kishanai Pulliam and Terrence J are both alums of HBCU and they did some um, virtual talks. And it was all around just the entrepreneurial spirit and drive of students. And so we were really proud of that. That was right towards the end of last year. And so that was a great way of just leveraging the power of the brand. It has an over-index to Black consumers and HBCUs and their pillar in the Black community. Okay, and Bill, nice uh, campaign uh, that you can uh, share with us. Because I've been at ANA for 22 years and Mark Pritchard of PG has been our chairman, I think for the past five or six, and I've seen Mark talk quite a few occasions. I'm going to just cite generally or broadly, I think PG really has done a great job, whether it's advertising for Tide or hair care. You know, I think that they build in specific ethnic um, insights into their advertising. I know that they're that they design products, hair care in particular, with ethnic markets. I love the work that they did. The commercials called the talk and commercials. Uh, and commercials is, is yep. even, terrific uh, campaigns. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. communications called the look, where it really provided these deep insights to me about what he feels like being a black man and how somebody like me perhaps should look at him in a different light. So I think mm -hmm. that those um, those that work of PNG is just remarkable. Yep. And all of that really revolves around uh, this notion of uh, empathy uh, based uh, communications, which uh, I think we'll be talking a lot more about in the future, but we'll have to leave it at there for now. Big thanks to my guest today, Natasha Miller-Williams, Head of Diversity and Inclusion at Ferrara, and Bill Duggan, Group Executive Vice President at the ANA. For the ANA Champions of Growth podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Until next time, thanks for listening.